today, as I mentioned, we're continuing our series, and we're going to be talking about managing messy schedules. When I was in college, I was preparing to travel the world. And when I was preparing to travel the world, the one thing they taught us was you need to get ready for culture shock. You need to prepare yourself for that because when you go into other countries and other cultures, you're, it's not going to be the same as what you're used to. And that's what culture shock is. It's going into a shock, into a, I can't believe this. I can't deal with this kind of a mentality. But, you know, I spent nine weeks in Mozambique, Africa when I was in college one summer. And when I went there, I worked hard to prepare for a different culture. And I didn't experience any culture shock when I went there. I was okay. You know when I experienced culture shock? Nine weeks when I returned back to America, landing in New York City, getting out at JFK Airport, oh my goodness, I was, I was knocked around. I wasn't prepared for it. I was not prepared for spending so long outside of our culture and then jumping back into it. It overwhelmed me. It destroyed me because in America, we're so fast-paced. We're on the go. It's achievements. It's this. It's pushing people out of, our, out of our way to get to where we need to go. And in Africa, it was so more laid back. In fact, one week when we were there, we needed a mechanic for our, for, our, for our car, and he was supposed to arrive at our location Monday morning, and it was Friday afternoon when he finally got there. That's just the normal reality. And that's what I got used to nine weeks out of this country. But then I got upside, turned upside down when I came back to America. So, uh, last year, there was an article written called The Downside of No Downtime. America's Culture of Busy, written by Sharon Armstrong. And in this article, it provides a good picture of the hectic life that we have allowed to take place in our culture that we live in right now. In her article, she shares that in 1928, an economist named John Maynard Keynes imagined a world in which thanks to advancements of technology and that the future generations would embrace a less busy lifestyle, that maybe perhaps we would be so advanced that we would only need to work three days a week. And that would be by choice, not by necessity. Yet over the years, modern advancement uncovered time-saving methods and time-saving products but has our society become any less busy? I don't think so. I think we're more busy today. You know, in fact, according to global workplace analytics, more than 3.3 million Americans today now work from home. Because one of the big advantages of working from home is the flexibility to determine our own schedule. And so with the addition of labor-saving and time-saving devices that most Americans have in their homes, you would think that we would have no idea what to do with all of our spare time. But it's not like that. Because according to numerous studies today, and in defiance of the 1928 predictions, many Americans now feel that they are far busier than they've ever been before. America truly is an achievement-oriented culture. We've created the culture of busy. 
That's what we've created. And we've all been pushed into it and are living within it. And success is defined by our accomplishments. And the mindset kind of it gets ingrained within us at a very young age. Our kids are focused on achievements and going after goals at such a young age. And today we see both kids and adults, they're so structured in their life that they have no idea what to do when they have free time. And so since they have no idea what to do with their free time, they just add more activities or more devices to their programs. And one of the biggest dangers of embracing our culture of busy is that it leads to an increased level of stress. It's, I bet it's safe to assume that many sitting in this room right now are so overwhelmed with stress because your, your schedule is so overloaded. And you just don't know what to do anymore. And we find ourselves just trying to juggle our schedules. And we often find ourselves so overwhelmed with stress and frustration. And we're just beating ourselves down and beating ourselves down. And stress is so complex. And it creates so many issues. For example, when we get overwhelmed with stress, we find ourselves with more health issues like high blood pressure and other situations. When we're overwhelmed with stress, we find ourselves often with more mental struggles like anxiety and fear and other mental struggles. And when we get so overwhelmed with stress, we find ourselves spiritually disconnected. And before you know it, we've lost focus of Jesus and who he is because our schedules are so overwhelm, overwhelming and we're so stressed by what we need to get done. And then before you know it, you find yourself living in a life of frustration towards Jesus and the church because you feel the church is interfering with your schedule and what you feel you need to do. And the sad reality of our now culture of busy is that it comes at a significant cost. And that cost is our ability to be happy and have joy in the home. Our culture of busy, we thought by adding more activities would make us more happy and, and make more life more interesting. But the opposite, we are finding out. Our culture of busy has brought homes in such stress and, and disrepair and, and happiness is gone. And we struggle with trying to find out how just to get through each day. It's been said that busyness serves as just kind of a, um, a reassurance that hedges us against eb- emptiness. It is what has been known as the busy trap. Because now we're not just so busy, but m- so many of us have created activity, has, have created a hectic lifestyle because we dread what we might face in the absence of busyness. And so because we're so fearful of what might happen when we have nothing to do, we just create more stuff to do, and we use it as an avoidance. There's things in our life that we, that we need to deal with. There's people in our life, relationships that are hurting, that we sometimes avoid dealing with by creating more hectic lifestyles because we don't want to deal with it. One of my favorite Christmas movies is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's a must-see, I got to tell you. And I love it with Clark W. Griswold, who just finds more mistakes to offer his family than you could ever imagine. But the interesting thing about this movie is Clark W. Griswold decides he's going to have a huge family time 
a great big Christmas, and he invites the whole family over to his house. But if you watch the movie, as soon as all the family members arrive and chaos begins in the household, where do you find Clark W. Griswold? He finds himself outside finding a task to do. Why? Because he's trying to find something to do to distract him from the chaos that's now in his house. And Christmas is such a joyful time, a time that we're supposed to be happy, yet so many of us, because there's so much hurt in our lives, we create busyness to hide from the pain, to hide from the chaos. And we just find ourselves with more and more messy schedules. And life just becomes so chaotic. And we've created a culture of busyness, from work to kids' activities to just life in general, It just becomes so demanding, so hectic, and so busy. And yet, as we focus on our discussion today, isn't it interesting to note that Jesus, when he entered the world, he entered it in a time of chaos. He entered it when the schedules were messy. Let's look together at Luke's account of Jesus' birth story. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It's, it's, on, it's in your notes and on the, on, the, um, on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. But Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, here's the account. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You need to understand something. Mary and Joseph, they had their plans. They were just kind of putting their plans together of how life was supposed to be. They Go back to Luke chapter 1 and read it sometime. They were pledged to be married. They were preparing for their wedding day. They were preparing their house when they were going to move in together. They were getting their life in order for their future. Then chaos came. Chaos came to them. God had something significant planned in the midst of their messy schedule, and life didn't go quite as they had planned it to be. And sometimes, for all of us, life throws us a curveball. Life throws us inconveniences, and in the inconvenience that we face, chaos comes. Several years ago, I went on vacation with my family and my in-laws to Atlantis. It was a great place. My family absolutely loved it there. And one of the best rides down there was a lazy river called um, um, The Current. My kids absolutely loved it. They had to ride it thousands of times that week. But, you know, the, the crazy thing is before we got there, we had other families tell us, you need to ride The Current. And we said, well, what is it? And they said, it's a lazy river. Really? We have to ride a lazy river. Okay. No, this is, this is not like your average lazy river. All right, sure. And they told us about how they couldn't even stay in their rafts, how they got knocked around and they got all ripped up and it was awful. And, and they're like, you guys, are, you guys are crazy. And we got there and we're going through the lazy river. And sure enough, there's a bunch of rapids on it. It was really fun. And we got, came around this one big when this wave came. And I look back and I see my mother-in-law on her tube and she just hits the wall. She goes up and she flips over and she's like, help me, 
and she's trying to fight through the water, and she's getting all scraped up. The rest of the week, I'd never let it down. I, 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 I kind of teased her and made fun of her. And let me just warn you guys something. Never make fun of the in-laws. <laughs> it, it never ends well. Because all week long, I was giving her a hard time about it. And our very last day there, we're like, okay, boys, we, we have one last thing we can do before we have to pack it up and, and leave. We're, this is it. And, of course, everybody, their, their decision was the current. We have to do the current one more time. And so we went on the current, and I got in a double raft with one of my twin sons. And I have to be honest with you, I weigh just a little bit more than him. So we already had a raft that was kind of tilted. You know what I'm saying? So we're going down, and we're going through this tunnel, and we're hitting some rapids. And sure enough, at the end of the tunnel, we hit one that flipped our raft over. And there I was in two feet of water fighting for my life. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. I was all scraped up. What comes around goes around. But you know... That current, I rode it hundreds of times all week long. And that going that last time, I thought, Psh, I got it. This thing's not going to take me down. And it did. And the truth is, in life, we do that all the time. We create our schedules, schedules in such a way that we say, I got it. I, I got this thing covered. I can do it on my own. I've been going through this thing hundreds of times. I got it covered. And before you know it, the curveball comes and chaos arrives. The reality is, we don't got it. You, it's not under your control. You may think it is, but one day, life's going to throw you a curveball. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to send you uh, on, on a twist and turn and chaos that you never imagined, that you never thought you would experience. Because sometimes life just does that. And these inconveniences create chaos. And today I want to highlight three um, inconveniences that we tend to hit that cause chaos in our life. The first one is unplanned situations. Unplanned situations. Can I ask a real question for you today? You need to be honest with this. How do you cope with surprises and unexpected events? How do you cope with it? Because it matters. It matters. Do you become stressed? Do you panic? Do you get flustered? Do you become angry and just get overwhelmed with emotions? How do you handle or how do you cope when life just throws you a curveball? There are people who find it difficult to cope, not just with negative experiences, but also positive ones. For example, maybe tomorrow morning your spouse wakes you up and says, hey, I got tickets for a show tonight. There was nothing else on the schedule, nothing else to do, and she brought these tickets and they're just a surprise. But since it was such a surprise to you, it shatters your routine and you just don't know how to deal with it and you get overwhelmed. Or maybe you wake up in the morning and you're the type of person, you need your cup of coffee to get you going for that day and you get downstairs and you realize that you ran out of coffee. That's a really bad thing in a Balbock household, I have to say. Or maybe you arrive to work only to find that the internet is down. So when life throws you a curveball, when things don't go as you planned, how do you cope with it? How do you cope with those things? Mary was thrown a significant curveball with a pretty big unplanned situation. Look back at verse 5 of Luke chapter 2. It says that he, this is Joseph, went there to register with Mary. 
who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Did you catch it? Mary was thrown a significant curveball by God with an unplanned pregnancy. She was not expecting to have a child. They had their plans. They were going to get married. Life was supposed to go as normal and and as the way it always should be. And life just threw them a curveball, and she became pregnant and overwhelmed. And this was such against cultural norm back then that their life was literally in jeopardy. I mean, this was a significant curveball. Mary was surprised. She was shocked. She was confused. And she was asking the angel that was telling us to her why this was happening. But in the end of Luke chapter 1, we see a woman that said yes to God and became obedient to what he was saying that she was going to be doing. And she followed him. So circling back around to us, how do you cope with unplanned situations? How do you deal with it? Well, we need to understand this and f- develop a plan in dealing when things don't quite go our way. These aren't in your notes, but I'm going to share some, some good tips of dealing with unplanned situations. You can jot them down if you want. The first is acknowledge the reality of it. Acknowledge it. See, so often we live in frustration in our life when things don't go our way because we're living in denial of what is reality. And so since we are living in denial of what is reality, we just live frustrated. You want to overcome that frustration you're dealing with? You need to acknowledge whatever that unplanned situation is, is reality. That's the first step of dealing with it. As soon as you can acknowledge it is there and it's a part of your life now, then it gives you the ability to move forward and, and, and move forward in your journey and understand things. The second thing that we need to do in, in dealing with unplanned situations is recognize that your attitude is everything. Your attitude is the key to dealing with and coping with unplanned situations. Your attitude matters. It matters. So how is your attitude? What is it? Life is not so much about what happens to you. Life is about what, how we deal with the circumstances that we face. I don't always achieve, do well in this area. It's a struggle for all of us, I think. But we need to constantly be on guard and understand our attitude in the midst of unplanned situations. Because it will send us on different paths. And then from there, we need to understand that change is a part of life. Change is a part of life. I don't know too many people who like changes, but we need to understand that change happens. And we need to deal with it. We need to understand it, and we need to deal with it because that is life. That's life. And so maybe if you're a person that struggles with change, try introducing small changes in your normal routine to to prepare yourself for it. For example, maybe you drive to work the same way all the time. So if that's you, try a different route. Tomorrow, try a different route to work. Change it up. Do something a little bit different. Um, maybe in the morning, if you're a coffee drinker, try tea. Or, or maybe just on the spur of the moment, some nights, go to the movies. Go catch a movie. Do something different. Do something on the spur of the moment. The bottom line is do things that you usually do, but do them in a different way. This will introduce change into your life and prepare you for change in this world. Because what normally tends to happen for us all 
in our life is that we form an attachment to certain things. And we form these attachments that then causes us to cling to what is familiar, what we know, what we understand, and it makes us fearful of letting go of certain things. We become so attached that we live in fear of letting go of those things that we become attached to. And too much attachment allows surprises and unpleasant events to just have a greater negative effect on your life and in your journey. But there needs to be a recognition for every person, what are you attached to? What are the things in this world that you are attached to? And the bigger question is, are you more attached to the things of this world or Jesus? Because the more you are attached to this world and the things and the activities of this world, the more you will live a very frustrated life. But the more you engage Jesus and attach yourself to him and make him a priority, the more you'll realize his peace and his grace that he wants to provide. We have to move on. But another inconvenience is, uh, that develops chaos is the demands put on us. Demands that are put on us. In the, going back to our story in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. See, not only was Mary pregnant, and they're dealing with this and the preparation of their wedding, but now the government said, we are doing a census, and everybody needs to go back to their home city. It has to happen. This census is a must. And sometimes demands are put on us that, frankly, we just need to deal with it. You just need to deal with it. Maybe it's schoolwork, maybe it's, maybe it's work, or, or maybe it's other things that um, maybe our government is asking us to do, like taxes and different things like that. But there's demands put on us that are normal and, and part of life that you just need to deal with it. You just need to deal with it. But then there are also demands that are put on us that quite honestly are self-created. We create those demands upon ourselves. And then we live frustrated lives because we're trying to do everything. You know, we try to do it all from work to life to extracurricular activities. And we just get so overwhelmed because we try to do everything. And before you know it, you're swamped. Maybe you really struggle with your calendar. And this is something that we, every person should do if you haven't done it before. You should go home and take a look at your calendar. And if you're married, do it as a couple. Sit down and look at your calendar and examine it together. Because what tends to happen is we just try to do everything. And we slap on everything that we feel we want to do or we feel is important onto the calendar. And we just try to juggle it and do it all. But at some point in our lives, we need to start prioritizing what's on our calendar. Because eventually, things are going to collide. And then you need to ask the question, what doesn't happen? What's the most important thing? My friends, that's a priority. So go home and as a family, or if you're not married and have a family on your own, decipher what is our priority. We can't do it all. We're not going to try to do it all. So we'll do this, but if this collides with this, this wins. What are the priorities in your life? And on top of that, as you look at your calendar, can you ask an honest question? Where is Jesus in the midst of your calendar? 
Where is he? Because sadly, all too often in our culture of busy, Jesus becomes an afterthought. He just becomes an afterthought. We try to do all our to-dos that we have on our schedule, from work to life to extracurricular activities, and then Jesus gets pushed out. So do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. As you examine your calendar, where does Jesus fit in? Where's your Jesus time? Because until you start making him a priority in your life and on your schedule, you will never fully realize the peace that he wants to provide. You just won't. You will live in frustration because you're overwhelmed. And so find a time in your daily routine that is Jesus time, where you can read the Bible, pray, just focus on him, knowing that he is God and you are not, and just recognizing who he is. And if you've never done that before, it doesn't have to be this hour-long ritual. Just start with like 10 minutes a day. Just get into the routine of reading the Bible, of hanging out with him, of praying, making that a priority. Just like you would set a meeting on your calendar, and you would say, nothing else can block this. If, If something else comes up, I'm sorry, this wins, because I have to be at this meeting. What if we treated Jesus' time just as important as that? The world will try to challenge that, but what if you protected that? And I promise you, you will be blessed. You will understand peace at a whole new level when you focus on Jesus as a priority in your schedule because it needs to happen. Callie Williams Yost is the CEO of Flex and Strategy Group. And she once said, we live in a world of such competing demands that if we don't flex our muscle to make what matters happen, it's not likely to happen. There's truth to this. If we don't flex our muscle, so to speak, on our calendars of what is the priority, it's never going to happen. And if you don't work at making Jesus a priority in your schedule, it's not going to happen. It's not. And then you'll find yourself more frustrated and overwhelmed. And so do that. Prioritize your calendar with Jesus on mind. The third inconvenience that creates chaos is challenging circumstances is challenging circumstances. You know, for Mary and Joseph, they were overwhelmed with some challenging circumstances. Let's just understand the situation that they were in. Mary was pregnant. She was very advanced in her pregnancy. She was in the last couple of months of her pregnancy when the census came upon them. And Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. Now, we just read this at Christmas time. We think, oh, how cute that is. They traveled to Bethlehem, and there Jesus was born. They put him in a little manger, and we had this little scene that we put on our pedestal at home of this beautiful scene when Jesus was born. Can I just tell you, that was nothing like the real picture. And so as you look at your little manger scene um, on the pedestal when you go home today, realize that that was a recognition of hardship, difficulty, and pain. It was chaos. It was chaos. Because Mary was like eight or nine months pregnant. Now women who have carried babies before, just imagine when you were in your eighth or ninth month, how were you feeling? Not too good, were you? Those are the times when you probably are telling your husband how much you don't like him, right? 
Those were not days of feeling well. You were done with it. You just wanted to lay down and, 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 and deliver this baby. So imagine those feelings. That's where Mary was. And then at this time period, the government says it's census time, and they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This was a 90-mile journey, okay? 90 miles of desert journey through Samaria, which was unwelcoming territory. And then when they get to Bethlehem, Bethlehem's an elevated city, so the last part of their journey is an incline. It's going up a massive hill on a donkey, So here you are, you're in your ninth month of pregnancy, traveling on a donkey for some rough 90 miles of journeying. This is not a happy time. And I bet it's safe to assume there was some bickering along the way. There was probably some times when Mary was letting Joseph just know what she really thinks of him. Right? It was not an easy time. It was chaos. It was challenging. It was hard. It was not happy. It was difficult. And then when they arrived to Bethlehem, look at verse 7. The Bible says that she, Mary, wrapped him, Jesus, when he was born, in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So they get after, they're tired, they're hungry, they're worn out. She, Mary, I'm sure all she wants to do is lay down. She gets there and they get to the hotel. Back in those days, the hotel was not like this fancy little room with a shower and a bathroom for you. No, it was this big open space, and it was here, everybody's gathering together, so find a spot. Find a spot in this big room. And when they got there, they realized there was no spot available for a mother who was about to give birth. So where'd they end up? They ended up in the little barn. They shuffled the cows off and the sheep a little way, and they hung out there, and that's where Jesus was born. And the Bible says in verse 7 of Luke chapter 2 that when Jesus was born, Mary wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. This was not the little, pretty little manger that you have sitting in your home somewhere. This was the feeding trough. So Jesus was born. Joseph's pushing the animals out of the way, cleaning up all the mush and food that was in there, wiping it down, and then that's where Jesus was placed down when he was first born. It's not the pretty little manger scene that we're used to, is it? It was chaos. It was overwhelming. It was difficult. This was not an easy scenario for Mary and Joseph. And oftentimes, life just throws us those curveballs. Life just throws us those challenging circumstances from worldly expectations to hurts. But know this, in the midst of the chaos, Jesus showed up. In the midst of the craziness of that day, of those 90 miles, Jesus showed up. And God was revealing, I'm here in the midst of the chaos. And it's interesting to note that in the Bible, there are several occasions of peculiar peculiar births from Abraham and Sarah when they were promised that they would have a child at their old age, to Moses, who was given birth in Egypt in distress and, and hardship, to Isaiah that offered a sign of a young woman bearing a son to Ahaz, the king of Judah, and then to Jesus' birth. In the Bible, when peculiar births take place, it is recognizing something is happening. 
Something big is about to take place. And that's what God was revealing in Luke chapter 2. It is chaos. It is out of control. And something big is about to happen. And I see in, in, throughout the Bible, there's some interesting tidbits from the peculiar births that we see. And I want to share some things that I got from a friend of mine, Rafael Rodriguez, who's a professor of New Testament at Johnson University. This week, he provided me um, some notes from his class on the birth narrative that really shows a good picture of these peculiar births. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, but jot them down in your notes. Number one, first tidbit that we learn is that the peculiar births tend to occur during social and political danger. They occur during social and political danger. In the Old Testament, for example, we see Moses. And he was born under Pharaoh's rule, who was the most powerful man in Egypt. And he ordered that all male Hebrews um, would be, babies would be uh, cast in the Nile to, to, to die. And even so, Pharaoh's own daughter draws Moses from the river and raises him up as his own son. Peculiar, interesting, something big was happening. Fast forward to the New Testament, and Jesus' birth occurred under extreme political distress and hardships. The second thing that we learn is that the peculiar births signaled the Lord's deliverance of his people. It signaled the deliverance of his people. In other words, something big was happening. Going back to the Old Testament, Moses came onto the scene to free God's people from slavery under Egypt's rule. And you fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus came for something significant, far above that we could ever imagine or dream. And the third thing that we learn from these peculiar births is that they emphasize that it is the Lord and not human heroes, heroes that bring deliverance. It is the Lord and not human heroes that bring deliverance. It's not you. It's not me. It's not our schedules. It's God. And in the Old Testament, when Moses was being called by God to lead his people at the burning bush, time and time again, Moses said, I'm the wrong person. I'm not the right person. Get somebody else. It's not me. And finally, in Exodus chapter 3, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And then he said, I am has sent you. That name, I am, is the most powerful name in all the, in all the Bible. Because right there, God is revealing in his name that he is the authority, that he is the supreme power, that he is the deliverer, and that deliverance only comes through him. It's not us. And many times we, f- we find ourselves so full of excuses as to why we can't do things, as to why we're overwhelmed. Or, on the other hand, we think that our schedules is our path to success, that if we just get more busy and add more things to our agenda, that we will then become more successful. In any of those cases, God says that he is the only one that brings deliverance. That only by being connected to him will you find peace. Will you be able to move frustration from your life? Because in our life, we are surrounded with so much chaos that it's beating us down and it is destroying us and it's destroying many of our homes. And only Jesus is the one who will deliver. Because know this, despite the chaos that surrounds us, Jesus will always deliver. Despite what is going on in your personal journey, despite the circumstances that you face, know that Jesus will always deliver. He came through. He came in that manger, and he comes through for us today. 
He comes through for you right now. He always has and always will come through. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the hero. Not us, not our schedules. But we need to understand something. When we call out to God, we get so focused on God answering our prayers for our worldly desires and what we want right now. And he may come through and answer those from time to time, but please know the heart of God is not this world. Jesus is not worldly focused. He is kingdom focused. He came to deliver us, not for better wealth in this world. He came to deliver us into his kingdom. That's why he came. That's the deliverance he offers. And at some point, we need to transform our, hope, our, our hearts from me focused and what I want to realizing my peace is not found in what I want in this world. My peace is found in realizing that it's God's kingdom. And that's where my hope lies. One day this world will pass away, but God's kingdom never will. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus came to deliver us to. And so jot this down. In the midst of chaos, our response matters. Our response matters. Peace is found when we understand that Jesus is the deliverer, that he is God and I am not, and we respond to his calling, to his deliverance. We respond so much to our cluttered schedules. We become, um, we, we become followers of our schedule, but that's not where deliverance is found. Deliverance is found only through Jesus. And so with all that said, maybe, just maybe, at some point in our life, we just need to simply slow down. Slow down. Slow down and know that he is God and you are not. And your schedule is not God. So quit allowing your schedule to lead you. Let's turn to Jesus. Let's slow down and quit letting Jesus be an afterthought of our schedules and make him the priority of what we do. That's where peace is found. That's where we find the removal of frustration. When we focus on Jesus and allow him to love us and love others through us, then and only then will you find the freedom from the frustration that you are walking through. But I bet it's safe to assume that many right now as we go into this Christmas season are hurting. You're hurting because the pain of this world is just too fierce. And we look to our cluttered schedules. We look for things to do. But realize Jesus is the deliverer. Hear what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Are you struggling with frustrations right now in your life? Are you struggling with hardships that are just overwhelming in this time that's supposed to be joyful? Come to Jesus, and he will give you rest. He is deliverer. Your freedom is not found in being more busy. Your freedom is found in Jesus. So will you come to him and allow him to give you 
rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are God and I am not, that we are not, because so many times we try to do things ourselves. We just create more busyness in our life. But Lord God, help us to focus more on you. We want to turn to you. Lord, we long for you. For those in this room right now who are struggling with hurts, that are overwhelmed with with pain, and and they're just trying to put on a smile for this season, Lord, I pray right now that they may come to you and that they may experience your peace. Lord, for those that have been allowed their schedule to control them and that they're just so overwhelmed with the busyness of life and that that you've become an afterthought, Lord, help us to prioritize you into our calendar. Help us to come to you Because life may be good right now, but we know one day we'll get a curveball. In that time, we need you, the deliverer. Lord, we long for you. We seek you. Thank you for the peace that you provide. Thank you that you came into this world. And may you be glorified. It's in your name we pray.